those of you who have been with us know we've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer, that prayer that Jesus gave us, the prayer we said recently. You know, the, the Lord's Prayer is, is like one of these multi-use tools. It's uh, part of Christian liturgies often, but it's also something you can use not just when you're in church, but, but also when you've got to pray and you don't know what to pray. Ever find yourself in a circumstance where you've got a difficult situation, you don't know quite how to pray, but you know that you really should pray? Well, one of the things you can do in those situations is, uh, is, is use the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the Lord's Prayer is broken down into a, a, a series of petitions or requests that we make of God, and we're on petition Number three, give us this day our daily bread. And to help explain that petition, I want to go right after Jesus says that. He, he shares that famous passage that I think is probably familiar to you. Someone wrote a song about it, about how God watches over the sparrows and God clothes the grass of the field and so will clothe us as well. It's... Uh, we're actually reading from Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 27. It's printed in your program if you'd like to follow along. Jesus says, Consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give them to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, and a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. This is God's word for God's people today. I think one of the pitfalls we have with prayers, we think of prayer as something that's theoretical or purely spiritual or, or purely religious, but one of the things you see in the Bible is that people didn't just pray these religious prayers and these spiritual prayers. They also prayed about practical things and physical things. And when they needed practical and physical help, they prayed for those things. And here, Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread. He tells us to pray for our daily bread. He says, when you're hungry, pray for God to provide for, for you. When you have practical needs or personal needs, pray for God to supply those needs for you. Our most basic physical needs are, are things that we're invited to pray for. And, and one of the ways you grow as a person of prayer is as you grow in the habit of bringing your practical needs and your physical needs in every area of life and asking God to work in those areas. Uh, so prayer is practical. So I want to just talk about the dynamics or, or of that in our life. And it just uh, first of all, I want to talk about a universal quest. I think a quest that we're all engaged in, and that's to find a place in life where we don't have to worry anymore. Have any of you arrived at a place where you don't have worries? 
Anybody here? I find that no matter how far we go and no matter where life takes us, we just go basically from one worry to another. You know, when you're a student, you think, if I could just graduate from school, then I would finally be free of worry, right? And then you're like, boy, if I get a job, then I won't have to worry. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, if I get a better job, not my boss's job, because my boss is obviously a total stress case, but if I could get my, my boss's 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 job, he never worries about anything, you know? And, and, and you kind of go through life this way. You know, sometimes I, I, I speak to young couples and, and they're, they're worried about having kids. Or then, then you, uh, you conceive a child and, and you're worried about a, a safe delivery. But then you've got an infant. And once you've got an infant, then you've got a lot of things to worry about. You're worried about if you're ever going to sleep through the night again, right? And then, uh, and then, you, then you worry about the kid because the kid's in school. And will they, get, will they make their way to to uh, college one day. And then you continue to worry because you worry once they get to college, will they graduate? And, and what I've found with kids, you know, now, now my oldest is 25, and, and as long as that those children are alive, you're going to worry about them. And any of you parents of adult children have that experience? But, uh, but you know, there is no worry-free zone for us in, in this life. Uh, you know, what happens is the more we accumulate, the more we're aware of how much we have to lose. The higher we climb in our careers, the more we're aware of how far we have to fall. The more family and loved ones we accumulate in our life, the more people whose lives we have to worry about. And so even though we're all looking for a, a, for a way to get to a place where we don't have to worry anymore, the reality is in life, the worries are always there. And so the, the bad news basically is, and all, all of us are on this quest, I think, to find security, to find a worry-free zone in life, but it doesn't exist. It isn't there, and you're never going to get there. But there's an alternative to worry that he gives us in this passage, and the alternative is to grow to see God's hand in everything you do. This, you know, when, in the prayer, what, how does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father. You know, it, it's recognizing that we have a Father in Heaven who oversees everything. And that, that's one of the reasons we call this passage the life of prayer, because it says, you know, the pagan world runs after all of these things, but your Father knows what you need. And your Father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. And so, you know how we get to a place where we can manage our worries? When we realize that we've got a Father in Heaven who's worried about us. We've got a Father in Heaven who's concerned about the things that we're concerned about, and He is taking care of us. You know, kids get hungry. All kids get hungry from time to time. And all kids sometimes feel paralyzed by their hunger as it comes, you know? But there's different kinds of of uh, feelings of hunger that, that kids have. You know, when, when I remember when, when my kids were young, sometimes they'd get hungry and they'd say, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. And I'd say, well, you know what? You're going to have to wait an hour for dinner and then you're going you're gonna to live. You know, because, because as, as hungry as you might feel, you're not going to die. You just have to wait till dinner's ready. Or we're not going to stop at McDonald's on the way home. We're going to go home and there's, there's a fridge full of food to eat, right? 
So, but, and sometimes I think we're that way with God because we don't like our circumstances, we don't like our situation, we feel like it's time to panic, and God's just saying, wait, be patient, and we're going to work these things out. But there's another kind of worry. I, I used to travel a lot around the world and go to, go to big cities and, and countries in Latin America and in the Middle East and in Turkey. And one of the things you see there that really kind of tugs at the heartstrings, I think, of any Western uh, visitor is you see the street children, these kids who seem to live on the street. And they're all, they're all kind of the same. I mean, it's usually... Usually the boys are what you notice, and they're wearing literal rags. They're always barefoot, and they're running around, and they're just trying to find. They're 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 hustling for their their daily bread, and they're those kids are hungry too. But it's a different kind of hunger. It's not a hunger of saying, "Well, I'm going to go home, and mom's going to feed me," because they might not have a mom, or mom might not have anything to feed feed them. It's the hunger of desperation, the hunger of a childless or a parentless child who is wondering who, who, who is wondering if they'll get anything to eat on any given day. And see, what God wants us to be like is like those children who, even though they're feeling the hunger pangs, know that when the time comes, the food will be available. Not like those urchins running the streets who have to hustle for every every bite. And I think what, what happens with us is sometimes we start acting like orphans. We panic because our life isn't going quite the way we wish it would go. Our job isn't working out the way we wish it would work out. And we forget that we have a Father in Heaven who knows what we need and our job is to trust in Him. And so we throw these tantrums in life because we want Him to take care of our needs right now and our way rather than being willing to wait on Him. Jesus says, your Father knows what you need, so just trust in Him. And there, there's a flip, flip side of this, and that is losing the illusion that we actually have control of anything, as if all that you have right here and right now isn't a gift, as if you would have made it to the age that you are today if God wasn't providing for you every day of your life. That's, that's why I think what I think Jesus is getting at when he says, you know, consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was, was, was not dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, won't he also clothe you? He's saying, God... God takes care of the wildflowers. God takes care of the sparrow. You know, God, God feeds the birds. God, God dresses the fields. And so God's going to take care of you as well. And, you know, we tend to think we live in this illusion like everything we have, we've had to earn. Like everything we have is something we got because of our superior work ethic, our superior uh, commitment, and our superior virtue. But what do you have that you haven't received? I mean, the energy you have that enables you to go to work every day, the opportunities you have. Have you ever been out of work? You know what it feels like to have energy to work but not have a job to go to? The opportunity that you have to work, the health that you have, the opportunity you had to get an education and get trained for the things that you do. And 
you know, even, even the opportunity just, just living here in America, you know, it strikes me whenever you see on the news the story of the, these uh, uh, refugees and you see these processions of refugees. And, and I, I look at it and I say, you know, often, oftentimes there, there's a little family there and there's a father and there's a mother carrying a baby and or, or, or a little kid walking, walking behind the family and you, and you look at them and you, you realize those people are us. It's just that they happen to be born in Syria instead of in America. You know, they happen to be, happen to, to, to have their families in Afghanistan instead of Canada, you know? And so now they're refugees because their circumstance, the circumstances that they have, they don't have the gifts that we have. They don't have the opportunities we have. They don't have, they don't have the, the ability, the, they haven't had the doors open to them that we have had. And so, you know, as you look at your life, and we worry about many things, but one of the things I think that'll help, that helps me stop worrying is to, when I realize that everything I have so far is a gift. As, as one of the, the songs says, it's grace that's brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. I didn't get myself here and I'm not going to get myself to the next spot. I just need to trust in God. God takes care of the lilies, and he'll take care of you. And, you know, what the Bible says is, for the person who's a child of God, your worries are actually an opportunity. They're a prompt to pray. Because if you're like me, we don't, anyone here feel like they don't pray quite as much as they ought to pray? Any of you? A few of you? A few of you feel? Well, one of the advantages of worries if you have this mindset, is your worry is an opportunity to pray more. And if you have big worries, it's an opportunity to pray big, prayer, big prayers. If you have deep worries, it's an opportunity to pray deep prayers. And sometimes it's our worries in life that are the things that drive us closer to God, to deeper dependence in God, and to more profound trust in God. And so when you have worries, Use that as a prompt to prayer, as a child of God. Just like a five-year-old kid, when they've got concerns, doesn't have any hesitation about going to their mother or going to their father and saying, this is what I'm scared of and this is what I'm worried about. You know, they do that naturally. As a child of God, when you have worries, the best thing to do with them, don't just, don't just sit around and get angsty about it. Use that as a prompt that God has given you. Maybe that's God's way of saying, you're not praying enough. It's time to pray more. A verse that's helpful in this regard is, is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. You got that up there? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See what he's saying? Whatever you're worried about is something that you can pray about. Or in other words, if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough for you to pray about. And we talked about that worry-free zone we're trying to get to. It's not a place you're going to get to because you've got enough money in the bank or because you're secure enough in your career or, or steady enough in your relationships. You're going to get to the worry-free zone when you learn the habit and the discipline about praying about all the things that worry you. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And really, that worry-free zone that 
we all wish we lived in comes as we refocus our life, redirect our life. As, soon, as long as we're, we're worried about what we shall eat and what we shall drink and what we shall wear, all of the practical things of life, we're always going to be worried. As long as you're worried just about your job and your bank account and, and uh, your social status and what's going on with your kids, you're going to have nothing but worries because those things present nothing but opportunities to worry more. What changes, our fo what, what changes us is when we learn to have a refocused life. He says the pagans run after all these things. In other words, people who don't know that God is their father, all they do is run, worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to wear. That's, that's what they do. But if you know God's your father, if that's, if, then you can live at a higher level. Your father knows that you need them. He's going to take care of it. So what should you do? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, uh, the, you know, the life of faith is not that we're freed from, from concerns, but it's that we're preoccupied with higher things. We're preoccupied with other things. He says, if we don't know God as our Father, we say, what shall we eat and what shall we drink? What shall we wear? That, there's, there's several levels to that. I mean, at one level, it's, it's you know, some, some people right now in Jersey City are thinking, you know, it's getting cold out and I don't have a coat to wear for myself, or I don't have winter clothes for my kids to wear, and, and how am I going to get the, the resources just to get those basic things? Or, or uh, you know, it's towards the end of the month and I, I don't have groceries for my fridge. And some, some people live live with those kinds of worries and, and, uh, and those kinds of concerns. But then, then a lot of other people, sort of the Manhattan life is, what shall I eat? What fabulous restaurant am I going to go to, you know? What fabulous bottle of wine am I going to drink tonight? And what fabulous clothes should I wear for this occasion? Both of those are ways we, we obsess ourselves on the things below. But he says, instead, we need to seek his kingdom and let God take care of these things. See, that's the refocused life. Rather than worrying about these practical things and these personal things, worry about the kingdom of God and let God take care of these nuts and bolts things. And, and so that's, you know, that, that's the focus of this prayer. That's why this, this passage is really about the whole prayer, not just this petition. Because when we pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. We're praying about the kingdom of God. We're praying about the name of God. We're praying about the will of God. And then we say, and God, please give us this day our daily bread. So this frees us to stay on our mission, to keep all of our priorities in order, and to re remind ourselves that our security isn't going to be found on, in what we earn or achieve and accomplish, the only security is the security that God gives us. Because our anxiety is really a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. And, and the security comes from our citizenship and our place in the kingdom of God, living under the rule and the reign and the restoration of our Lord Jesus Christ, experiencing his healing and forgiveness, and focusing on the extension of that grace to the world around us. Uh, 
so we still work to manage our affairs. We still, you know, this, this isn't living in denial of the practical realities that we have. That's not what we're calling to, but it's just recognizing that those practical realities are not what's ultimate. My net worth is not defined by what's in my bank account. My security is not provided by the government by social security. It's provided by my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And so my priority is to participate in the work of God in this world, and my focus is on bringing, bringing heaven to earth. So, but, and, and now the challenge to, to really do this, though, is to remember where this starts. It starts with trust and faith in our Father in heaven. Look at verse 32. This is important. He says, Do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father has been pleased to give you a kingdom. Not just a bologna sandwich, but the kingdom. He's been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven in our lives, the rule and the restoration of God, the presence of his grace and love in our lives, his power in our lives, is not something we earn or achieve or deserve. It's a gift that's given to us. And the problem is we worry when we feel like this is, is a fantasy and not a reality. The call that he places on us is, rather than seeking these things, to seek the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus in our life, the restoration and the provision of God in our life, and let God worry about us. And, and that, this is a mindset that he calls us to, and it's, it's a cha the, challenge, the challenge of the Christian life, the whole challenge of the whole life, is to figure out how to do this. And there's a lot of different aspects to this, but I, I want to just focus on the one. He gives us one method in this passage, one way you can, you, can, you can show yourself and show the world and show God that you're seeking first his kingdom. And the, the method Jesus gives here is the method of radical generosity. Look at verse uh, 33. Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out and a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying, you know, one of the reasons you're so insecure is because you have so much treasure on earth and you're just worried you got so much, you got so much to lose. One way to feel more secure is to send it on ahead. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, and a treasure in heaven that will never fail. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is saying that when you realize your security is in God himself, one of the ways you can exercise that, one of the ways you validate that, one of the ways you implement that is by being more generous, giving away your resources in large amounts rather than hoarding them, thinking that if you get a certain amount, you'll finally feel secure. And when we practice radical generosity, we demonstrate to ourselves and to others and to God that our security is not bound up in, in the stuff that we have, but it's bound up in God himself. Because, and, and, and Jesus says, when you do that, you find a new source of security. Because look, at, look again what he says. If you provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, no thief comes near, no moth destroys. So in other words, he's saying, 
You, you can, when you invest in treasure in heaven, you don't have to worry about it ever being stolen. When you, you rather than, than the adornment of uh, fancy clothes, when you, when you invest in treasure in heaven, you don't have to worry about your clothes going out of style or getting worn out. And, uh, and that's where your real security is. And as Jesus said in another place, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're looking for a concrete way to implement this, Jesus puts it right here. Remember, be generous with, with what he's given you. Recognize that, that all of your stuff isn't the source of your security. All your stuff is the source of your insecurity. And real security comes through radical generosity. But this kingdom that we're talking about, the rule and reign of Christ in our life, the restoration of Christ, the power of Christ, the presence of Christ, the love of Christ in our life, it's not ultimately something we achieve. It's a gift. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's not that your father says, well, he's going to make a deal with you. He's got this nice spot in the kingdom, and he wants you to buy it if you, if you work hard enough or if you pay enough. The gift of the kingdom of heaven is, is a gift. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's not earned or achieved or bought by us. It's expensive and it's valuable, but it's offered to you and to me as a gift because the price and the cost of it was met by the king of the kingdom, our Lord Jesus Christ. He qualified for it by living a perfect life. He purchased it by giving his life in death when he died on the cross, and he won it when he rose again from the dead on the first Easter. That's the work of Christ. That, that's, that's how the kingdom was secured. Not by our efforts, not by our talents, not by our abilities, not by our virtue, and not by our hard work. Simply by the life of Christ, by the death of Christ, by the resurrection of Christ. And through him and in him, the Father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom that you want, the, the place where you can rest and where you don't have to worry is a gift not a reward. The thing that matters most, the most expensive gift is the performance of Jesus for us, the life of Jesus for us, the death of Jesus for us, and the victory of Jesus for us. And the call on you and me is to simply receive that gift. Let's pray. Father, make this real to us. Forgive us for our blindness to your uh, generosity toward us and move us again to see, to, to see your grace in and through our Lord Jesus Christ and to live as those who have experienced that grace. Make that real to us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.